We are kicking off another series today, a new series today, where we are going to discuss our created ability to not just sit, to not just stumble, to not just spectate, but to actually climb. I believe that we were created to climb, okay? And I just, not because I believe that we came from monkeys and they climb a lot, but because we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Last week, we ended with this statement. Let's not just live saved. Let's live called. If we're going to live called, then then what ultimately are we called to be? And I believe, based on the series that we just came out of, that we are called to be a prevailing church. We are called to be a prevailing church. Turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. I want you to understand that that word prevailing, that is not a past tense opportunity. That is a present progressive verb. In other words, It happened, and it's happening. It should continue. We didn't just prevail at one season of life. We didn't just climb to a certain point, but we are still being called to prevail. We are still being called. I heard one preacher say it this way. The evidence of your salvation is not that you have repented, but that you are repenting, that it is an ongoing, developing, authentic relationship where you are Climbing into whom God created you to be. In Genesis chapter 28, we see this story of Jacob. Now, many of you are familiar with this story. um, And then some of you are going to be really enlightened. Jacob was a rascal. Jacob, from the very beginning, um, tried to grab his brother's feet as he was coming out of his mother's womb and pull him back in. Jacob was ambitious. He was manipulative. He would do whatever it took to get ahead, no matter the cost. He was actually a climber by nature. He tried to climb over his brother out of his mother's womb. He tried to climb ahead of his brother. He actually manipulated his brother into giving him the birthright that was by birth Esau's. He manipulated him and he gained access to that birthright. Jacob uh, put on goat hair and covered himself up in the fur of an animal and went before his elderly father at that point who obviously did not see or hear very well at all. And he pretended to be Esau. Apparently uh, his arms were more like a millennial's arms than necessarily the Generation X or Baby Boomer's arms. We discovered razors and for some reason decided to begin to shave and now it just grows back in too much and so you keep doing it because you should have never done it the first time. But Jacob puts animal skin on his arms and he deceives his father into blessing him with Esau's blessing. He robbed Esau of his blessing. His father, Isaac, the son of Abraham, tells Jacob, he says, it's not good for you to marry any Canaanite women. You need to go 
to Padan Aram and find a bride from your mother's house. So Isaac sends Jacob on this trip. Now, it's interesting. Esau has been deceived and tricked so many times by his supposed brother that he actually makes the most detrimental mistake. See, you don't get to blame where you are in Christ on what other people have done to you on the way there. And, and Esau, because he was bitter with Jacob, took it out on Jesus. Listen, don't ever get, let your bitterness against somebody else cause you to become bitter against the one that created them because he's not happy with them either. He doesn't want that for them either. That's not his will for you or for them. But Esau let that get in the way. And so instead of marrying within his tribe, he went to Ishmael the other son of Abraham, the son that Abraham was never supposed to have. Um, And Abraham's great-grandson became Esau's son out of disobedience. And this line of birth was developed because of one act of bitterness. Don't let bitterness multiply Just because one thing is birthed. You have the ability to become what God created you to be. No matter what else was birthed through whomever else. We we pick up in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 28. And I'm going to read to you uh, a a large portion of this story. I'm going to teach a little bit more today. and, And most of the time when I say that, people laugh at me because they always know that I'm not very good at that and I end up preaching anyways. But let's try it. Today in verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. Verse 11, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep, verse 12, and he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder. You can highlight that if you have the ability to do so on whatever device or piece of paper you may be holding. You can also follow along with us on the back of your bulletin. Your notes are there or eunicechurch.com slash notes. They are available for you. There was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. That's an important phrase as well. The top of it reached to heaven because this same phrase was not just used about the ladder that Jacob dreamt of, but it was also used in regards to the Tower of Babel that men tried to build. They wanted to build a tower so they could be like God. And the Bible says that the top of its tower reached to the heavens. Okay, Jacob is dreaming of a ladder that reached to the heavens. Men had tried to build a tower that reached to the heavens. And behold, herein lies the difference between the tower and the ladder. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and to your offspring. Let me give you just a couple of important notes here as we move forward. Um, This is a sub point to the day, really. 
But I want to make sure that you understand, number one, that, that Jacob was dreaming. Okay, In the scriptures, specifically in Joel chapter 2 and then confirmed in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit and the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions. It's important for you to understand that, that Jacob, he probably wasn't really that old at this point, but he was dreaming a dream. The reason that the young men will see visions is because they need a directive because without vision people cast off restraint. And when you're young you need a direction and you need a vision, you need a purpose, you need a plan. You need preparation, and you've got to be on course. But as you begin to age, God has got to begin to give you dreams that go way beyond your vision. You need to dream big enough that somebody else has to come along and accomplish what you couldn't accomplish. Your vision and your dream needs to go so far beyond your life that it can only be accomplished if it's passed down to multiple generations. Jacob was dreaming. He didn't have a vision right here that he was going to accomplish in his life. He had a dream. Very similar, Peter had a vision of a sheet coming down with animals in it. And Peter called the animals unclean. And God said, do not call unclean what I call clean. What, what, arise and go and show. And so Peter takes the gospel of his vision to the Gentiles. He accomplishes that vision. By the way, that's us. We're the Gentiles, the not Jews. Anybody not Jew, that's us. Peter takes that vision and he accomplishes it. But Jacob has a dream. That's not going to be accomplished in his generation. Let's, I, I shared this last week in Next Steps. I shared it in the first week of every Next Steps. I'm not going to go into it in detail. I will if you come to Next Steps. But uh, I, before I came here, I had a dream. In 2014, I know I sound a little bit like Martin Luther King right now. I'm not trying to steal from him. But I legitimately, and I believe that Martin Luther King had a dream. I believe he had a dream. Where all of God's people would sit in the same room and worship the same God, no matter the demographic, ethnicity, social status, or background, that, that Martin Luther had a dream, but that dream wasn't going to be accomplished in one lifetime. And I had a dream before we moved here where I saw a light in the middle of the state of Louisiana and it began to grow and expand. I don't believe that the dream that God gave me in 2014 is going to be fulfilled completely in my life. I believe that God is going to take Acadiana and continue to develop his light so that all men and all women and all children will continue like ships in the lost sea of the darkness to be drawn to the lighthouse on the shore that is Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe that that was a dream that God gave me to come in and be a part of and initiate and launch, and it's going to continue to come to pass as long as people continue to get involved. The next thing I want you to understand is God revealed a ladder. You remember I told you the men and women, they built a tower. But in this passage, it says there was a ladder. And the angels of heaven were descending and ascending upon it. And that ladder reached to the top of the heavens. What I see, the difference in the Tower of Babel and the ladder that, G that Jacob dreamt about, 
was the Tower of Babel, although they both reached to the heavens, the Tower of Babel fell because it was built by the hands of men. It was works-based. It was effort-based. But Jacob laid down in the presence of God, and you're going to see where he laid down here in just a second. Jacob laid down in the presence of God, and he didn't see a tower. He saw a ladder. He saw the ability not to build something, but to be a part of something. He saw the ability to take a step in Jesus Christ and become part of what God had already built. It wasn't going to be his effort and his energy and his uh, building with his hands. Because when men build things, they crumble. Listen to me. Hear me. October 3rd, Thursday, October 3rd, is the, the day that the students are supposed to, college students, high school students, you could even take this to your workplace. This is the day that we're supposed to just take this thing back on the campuses of the United States of America, and specifically South Louisiana and all across our state. I'm telling you right now, you take this out of the foundation of our country and you remove the rebar that it was established upon and it will crumble. We've got to get this back into the lives and the hearts of people and quit trying to build a foundation and a nation upon sinking sand. Go back to the solid rock that is our Savior. That's who he is, and that's what he wanted to build. And it was the difference between what those men tried to build in the Tower of Babel and what Jacob saw had already been built. See, because when you try to build it, it crumbles. When you try to build it, it causes confusion. You know why the charismatic, charismatic movement was guilty of causing confusion and chaos instead of being spirit-filled, remaining in order and having more influence than any other movement should have ever had before? Because you can't have a church without the Holy Spirit. But we began to try to have the same service every Sunday. And when God wanted to do something different, we dug our feet in the sand and said, no, we're going to have it this way like we've always had it. And they continued to try to build a move of God instead of following the move of God. And when you try to build the move of God, it causes confusion. But when you let God reveal what he wants to build and what he is building, and then you get to be a part of it, it doesn't cause confusion. It brings new revelation. Here was the revelation. This is the final point. Jacob saw the angels of heaven ascending and descending upon the earth. It is as if he had already forgotten, despite his heritage and his past, that heaven is way more involved. Eternity is way more involved than we sometimes remember. It didn't say that he saw an angel. It didn't saw that he he didn't say it didn't say he saw some angels going up. He said it says he saw angels of the Lord ascending and descending. Listen, God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He created you and he wants to lead you and let you climb and have access to him just like the elders and the angels for all time. There is more heavenly action going on in your life than you even realize. But you've got to let God reveal it. Jump back with me to verse 14. Verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. I'm glad that God didn't say that to me in my dream. He said it to Jacob. 
You shall spread abroad. Why would you not want that? Because I had three kids in four years, okay? There's a lot of dust on the earth. I don't need any more. I'm good right where I am, okay? Dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That part I receive. Behold, I am with you and will keep you. Behold, I am with you and will keep you. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not even know it. He was afraid and said, he was afraid. He was afraid and excited all at the same time. He was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. The house of God and the gate of heaven. Now hang in there with me. Watch this. The house of God is equal to the gate of heaven, according to this passage. But we just came out of a series called Big Church that transitioned into His church. And in the New Testament, we understand that the house of God is not a place, but a people. The house of God is not a location, okay? It's an individual, and a whole lot of them all coming together. So wherever you are, that's where the house of God is, right? You with me? For you are the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, you are the house of God. In the New Testament, the house of God is the people of God. So if the house of God is the gate of heaven and the house of God is the people of God, then listen to me, the people of God are the gateway to heaven. In the New Testament, the people of God are the ones that can make sure that every individual within their sphere of influence understands that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, you, and he will not stop pursuing you until the promises come to pass. You are the gateway. God uses his people yes, as the gateway to heaven. God uses his people. Sometimes, come on, let's be honest. Sometimes you got to remind yourself. <laughs> That you are his. Sometimes, come on, we're just being honest, okay? Sometimes we feel more like the gate of Hades that we talked about, okay? What's worse is sometimes we live more like the gate of Hades. And we spend our time not prevailing as the gate of Hades than being the church that prevails and the people of God that is the gateway to heaven. For yourself and everybody that God has put around you. So here's the problem. God is willing, but we are the ceiling. God designated his dominion to his people. God designated his dominion to you. So I am the lid 
on the people that I lead. I am the Let me give you an example. The Bible says it is the will of God that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Well, if that's God's will, why isn't it happening? Because people are the gateway. Because people have been given the right to be called children of God. If you say you abide in Christ, then you will live as he lived. Okay, so why is this whole city not living for Jesus? Well, I get that some of it is because of rebellion and fallen nature and fallen individuals. And some people just are not going to. But there are some people in this community who legitimately do not have and understand what you have and understand. There are people in Eunice and the surrounding area that are not hearing the authentic, liberating piece of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're hearing a form of it. They're hearing a version of it. But it's works-based and it's angry. It's in spite of how they're living. It is in spite of what God wants to do in them. It's not encouraging. It's not the power of God to those who believe. It's the pain of those who are living. Come on, it's a terrible way to present the gospel. And I'm not saying that there are not times where Jesus preached about hell and sin, but ultimately, he spent a lot more time encouraging people out of their sin than condemning them further into it. He spent a whole lot of time, energy, effort, resource, investment, removing the ceiling of their ignorant thought process. Removing the ceiling of their religious ways. Removing the ceiling. Just a couple of weeks ago, I, I don't know where we'll be today. I know last week's, I hope, not a good gauge because it was Labor Day. or was it? Yeah, it was Labor Day. I always get Memorial Day, Labor Day mixed up. I was like, why are we off? Oh, yeah, today. So um, we're, last week's probably not. But two weeks ago, no, three weeks ago, we had 740 people come through this sanctuary from, from infants to elders. Praise God, it's powerful. Okay, why are only 220 of them serving? 740 people from infants to elders come through the sanctuary. Statistically, only, 90, only 10% of the 740 people. So 74 people. Only 10% of 740 people who came through this, this sanctuary or this facility two and a half or three weeks ago, only 10% of them have ever led someone to Jesus. Not just invited them to church, but personally led someone to Jesus. Only 10%. And if I were to do an analysis where I handed out a piece of paper and said, hey, how many people have you personally led to Jesus in the last five years? How many people have you shared the gospel with personally, shared the gospel with, shared your story of what God is doing in your life? How many people have you shared what God is doing in your life with in the last three months? I'm telling you, out of the 740 people, it wouldn't look good because God designated his dominion to his people. And it is the will of God that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. If I were to ask, and don't do it, okay? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to condemn you this morning. I'm challenging you, okay? Not to just take up room in a sanctuary. Not to just exist. Remember last week? Not to just exist, but to endure, to lead the way. If I were to ask you, how many of you, raise your hand right now, if you are currently discipling one person? 
If you are currently discipling someone to come along in your journey, you've opened up your home, your resource, your access. They have your phone. They can call you. You are ministering to at least one person, not your immediate family, outside of your immediate family. One person that does not know what you know and was not raised the way that you were raised. Guys, what are we doing? See, we are the ceiling on God, what God is willing. You know, the problem with the 21st century church is that often we build roofs where God wanted to build ladders. We put a roof, a ceiling, where God wanted to build a launch pad, where God wanted to place a ladder and do something different. We put, the, we put a shelf, okay, where God wanted to build a stairway. And God wants to use us. He's willing. He's able. He desires to use us. The problem is we produce and reproduce who we are. And instead of being a launch pad to those that we lead, we become a limitation. You know, I, I thought of this. Just roll here with me for a second. I, I think we have a little too much Diet Coke Christianity in the United States of America. Come on, just hang in here with me for just a second. Megan said, why'd you use Diet Coke? I was like, I don't know, because that's what I drink the most of. <laughs> Coke has too much syrup, and it weighs me down. But Diet Coke, Diet Coke Christianity, we have the ability to get all stirred up. We get all shook up, right? Then we take the lid off, and we explode with excitement. We fizzle out, and then all of a sudden, just as quickly as we got stirred up, we go flat. And I'm telling you, I have seen a never-ending cycle of Diet Coke Christianity over the last 15 years of my life. Get all stirred up. Get all shaken up. Get all excited. And then get everything that's starting to see against one another because of the power that was surging through that river in that moment. It's not because of a watered-down gospel. It's because people have made the gospel about themselves. Just about a year and a half ago, some of you have heard this story. We were in staff meeting, and we were praying. We pray every Monday at 8.30. If you can't get us from 8.30 to 9, it's because we're in prayer. Sorry, that's what we're doing. You call back, leave a message. 8.30 to 9, we're in prayer almost every week. There are some weeks where things happen, but almost every week, we're either in here in the office in the children's room. We pray as a staff. It was a few months back, I was praying with them. And I, and I just, I saw, it was so weird. Okay, just hang, hang in there with me first. I had my eyes closed and I was praying. And all of a sudden, I saw like this little person, like, whee, whee. I was like, what is that? <laughs> what did I eat? I have drank too much coffee this morning. <laughs> And I, and I realized it was, it was supposed to be me, you know, like, yay, yay. <laughs> and I said, God, what is that? And he said, Chris, I'm not a trampoline. To which I responded, awesome. God's not a trampoline. Hallelujah. I had no idea what that meant. I was like, God, what are you talking? So I write it down. I was like, uh, I saw a little man jumping up and down. Kind of weird. Looked like me as a cartoon. I don't know. I'm confused. God said, I'm not a trampoline. I say, God, what does this mean? And then God answered. 
I don't bring you up just to throw you back down. I don't lead you to a certain place just to leave you there. I'm not a trampoline. I'm a ladder. See, the climb is about connecting with God. And if we don't connect with God, we're climbing without a cause. We refer back to that verse 12 in Genesis chapter 28. He said, there was a ladder. Yes, there was. Jacob saw a ladder. But I want you to remember that he was dreaming. And what he was dreaming was going way beyond his own life. There was a ladder. Listen to me. There still is a ladder. In John chapter 1, Nathanael is called by Jesus. He comes before Jesus, and Jesus tells him, I saw you under a fig tree. And Nathanael's like, wow, how did you know I was under a fig tree? And Jesus says, you think that's impressive that I saw you under a fig tree? We pick up in verse 51 of John chapter 1. He said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see heaven open, Nathanael, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. There was a ladder. There is a ladder. And Jesus told Nathaniel, see, you've been sitting in the shade hiding from the sun, and you're about to stand up and step on a ladder, which is the sun. You've been sitting around, and I'm about to use you to climb to a place that you didn't even know you needed to go. I am a ladder upon which you can stand. And if you will stop looking back and you will stop looking around and you will fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, then you will discover that in this life you were created to climb. That's his will for you. It's his will for us. But the climb begins when we become aware of God's presence. Climb begins when we become aware of God's presence. Right now, I just want to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes. Don't just watch the show. Engage. Don't just hope that God will do something. The Lord gave me this for a message this past Friday night. He said, I'm not asking if people want another move of my presence. I'm asking if people would be willing to be used by my presence. Would you be used? If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm talking to you today. If you've received salvation, I'm talking to you. You were created to climb. You weren't created to sit under a fig tree. You weren't created to sit in a chair in a building. You weren't created to be covered by a roof. You were created to walk up a stairway of heaven. You were created in the image and likeness of God. And you have been given the right to be called children of God. And he wants to put a ladder where you have been putting a lid. Let him open it up. Let him begin to use you in a new way. Dream again. Ask him for vision, purpose. God, there's got to be more to what I'm, than what I'm currently doing. You put me here for a reason. It's to impact eternity. It's got to go beyond the mundane of my weekly routine. There's more I was created to climb. If you're in the room this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you're in the room and you, you just don't know. You don't know. 
Well, before we leave, we're going to make sure that you do. If today you want to receive salvation, if today you want to begin the journey of climbing up the ladder, the stairway of heaven, become part of God's people that are the gateway to heaven, you can give your life to Jesus right now. You can receive salvation today. Nobody's looking around, but the church is praying. If that's you and you want to receive or recommit your life to Jesus before you take another step or go another day of your life, if that's you, just lift your hand right where you are and say, hey, that's me. Today is my day. Salvation is for me today. I need to recommit or really commit. I need to receive salvation right where I am. Maybe you're online and you're watching with us. We want to pray with you today. If you would, church, stand with me all over the sanctuary. Don't get your stuff. Just stand with me. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer. We're going to pray a corporate prayer of confession, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer. And if you've received salvation, if you want to receive salvation, then you need to come tell somebody. If you need healing in your body, then tell somebody. Emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, healing. Healing, the healer is here today, and he wants to meet with you. People want to pray with you. If you want to experience the touch of God, we believe through a second work of grace called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, then come and let us lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and believe for you to be filled and receive a prayer language and be empowered to be on a witness at an even greater rate to climb at an even greater pace today. If you would, with everybody standing, if you raised your hand, even if you didn't, if today you need to recommit or really commit your life to Jesus, you need to surrender all. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and then Pastor John is going to lead us, and you can step out or you can step up and receive prayer. Let's pray together. Jesus, forgive me for not climbing, for sitting instead of stepping. Today, I take off the lid. I believe. You gave your life so that I could live. You've not forgotten me. You want me to follow, so help me. I surrender all, take my life, and make it yours. May I climb all the way to heaven and bring as many people as you put in my path. In Jesus' name.